where you found us. Welcome to the Community Church Oxford podcast. We are so honored that you decided to join us. We hope that if you don't have a church home, that you'll find a church home that is a Bible preaching church. However, if you are just checking us out, we're honored that you would do that. We hope that you're encouraged by God's word today. You're also encouraged by the experience that you have through our podcast. If you want to find out more about us, you can check us out at www.communityoxford.com or check us out on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Again, thank you for joining us today at the Community Church Oxford podcast. And all God's people said. I'm not sure how good I did in our welcome earlier. Man, I'm hot, bro. And I'm not talking about physically either. Thanks, Chad, or Yao, whoever did that. I, I praise God this morning that you're here. I pray that, uh, that you do feel welcome. But I also pray that through God's preaching, God's word being preached this morning, I pray that, pray that it also makes you uncomfortable. I was sitting at a ball game on Friday night. I have a 15 and a 16-year-old, and my 16-year-old's a sophomore in high school, and uh, I'm finding out that I don't have near as many Friday nights left. And what I mean by that is, is that my time with my son is, sons are, is, is fading. I'm going to wake up, and uh, they're going to be gone. And what I mean by gone is, is that they're going to, they say they're never leaving home, but let me promise you they are. But what I mean by that is, is that, well, you only get so many opportunities. Sitting at the game, and I was sitting next to a gentleman that he and his family had visited our church, and matter of fact, they had visited last Sunday, and he said to me, he said, uh, preacher, I always love it when someone calls me that. I feel like one of two things are about to happen. I'm about to get in trouble or I'm about to be preached to. Neither of those happen. He just simply said to me, preacher, he says, not very many churches preach God's word anymore. I couldn't disagree with that. And he just simply said, I want to thank you for preaching God's word. I want to thank Deshaun for preaching God's word. I want to thank community for preaching God's word. And church, we are not trying to impress anybody. We're trying to do what God says. We're trying to follow God's word because if we follow man's word, we're going to be in a ditch. And we want to know why the world's so messed up and why it's in a ditch is because it's not following God's word, it's following man's word. The same week, I had a conversation with my 15-year-old, who's a freshman, and he looked at me and he said, Dad, do you know that next time that we have a presidential election, I'll get to vote? I wish my son could vote this time. Because in that conversation, what my son said to me was, is he said, Dad, we got to quit listening to what everybody else says, and we got to listen to our heart. You say, Fish, where are you going with this? Well, 
Piper says it this way. If you don't know who John Piper is, he might be one of the smartest preachers alive. And he's very, compli- he's very difficult sometimes and complicated to understand. But listen to what he says. It may seem strange to us that Paul would devote several chapters to, de- to de- demonstrating the sinfulness of all people. That's where we find ourselves in Romans 1.18 and following all the way through, ver- through chapter 3. Piper says it may, be str- may seem strange to us that Paul devotes several chapters discriminating demonstrating the sinfulness of all people. We might think that he should get to the good news and camp there and help people see the good news is really good. That would feel more positive than lingering as long as he does over the sinfulness of Gentiles and Jews. That is all of us, Piper says. True story, I, I got away this week and I went and visited the Woods family you don't know who the Woods family is, well, they're an important family in my life. And while I was visiting with the Woods family, I also got to visit with the Billups family, and the Billups happened to be where the Woods family is located on their property. And we were eating lunch one day, and Hattie Billups, who is also a part of our church, she was speaking to her Alexis device, and she was asking it to play music and that kind of thing, and I just simply looked at Guy, and I said, will it pray for you? He says, I don't know. Let's try it. So Guy being Guy, and he's watching this morning, so forgive me, Guy, tried to get it to tell us the Lord's Prayer, and it didn't recognize it. And then I just simply said, Alexis, would you pray for us? And this was Alexis's response. I'll keep you in my thoughts. Church, can I tell you something? I don't want you to keep me in your thoughts. I want you to get on your knees, and I want you to ask the God of the universe for his will to be done in my life and to be done in your life. You see, the reason that Paul spends so much time talking about the bad news is because you can't understand the good news until you know the bad news. You cannot comprehend the importance of the good news until you understand the bad news. So from Romans chapter 1, verse 18 that Sean taught a few weeks ago up until Romans chapter 3, verse 20, it's telling us some pretty bad news, but good news is coming. And we cannot forget, church, about the good news of Romans 1, 16. Remember it? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'll say it again. We cannot forget the good news of Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Salvation is available to everyone. However, we cannot act as if we have it all together when we are teaching others. Why? Because he will call us out. So this morning, I hope you have a copy of God's Word. And if you do, I'm going to invite you to open up to Romans chapter 2. There's a good possibility these verses will be on the screen, but I would not depend on that because it is technology. This morning, as we dive into Romans 2 again, we will see why last week's text ended with Romans 2 verse 11, which says this, For God shows no partiality. For God shows no partiality. 
Will you pray with me? Father God, I'm thankful that you don't show partiality. I'm thankful that we will all be judged according to your gospel. And God, may we be reminded this morning that when the day comes according to your gospel and God judges the secrets of man, God, may we be reminded we will be judged on if we know Jesus or not. God, I pray this morning if there's someone here today that doesn't know Jesus or somebody watching today or somebody listening today that doesn't know Jesus, that today would be the day of salvation. God, I'm a sinner. I'm jacked up, messed up, in need of your grace. So clean me up today. Hide me behind your cross. Fill me with your presence. And God, may those who are hearing your word today, may they not be nearly hearers, but may they become doers. And we pray this in Jesus' name, the one we want to be like when we grow up. And all God's people said, little disclaimer, we have 24 minutes to get through this text. We will not only stay in Romans chapter 2, we will search scriptures today that will back up Romans chapter 2, verses 12 through 29. And church, I need you to listen quickly because I'm going to speak fast, okay? Romans 2, verse 11 says, for God shows no partiality. Look at verse 12. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when the Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on the hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. And on that day, when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of, man, of men by Christ Jesus. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourselves are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in the darkness, and an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having the law, that embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others do not teach yourselves. Self. While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who arbor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law, for it is written, the name of God is blasphemy among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will will condemn you who have written the code, written code, and circumcision, but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. We will wrap up chapter 2 today. And I know that the men in the house today are super, super excited on this text because of a word called circumcision. Well, let's quit freaking out about the fact that we're saying that word in church 
We are saying that word in church because it is not merely a physical thing that happens, but it is a spiritual thing that happens. You see, man is so concerned about his outward appearance that he forgets that it's his heart that is jacked up. You know, I don't know about you, but man, I, I, I want to try to fix myself so often. I look at my life so often and I go, man, what's wrong with me? Why, why is this happening in my life? What is going on in my life? And church, I'm convinced this morning that as we will dive into the scriptures deeper this morning, what we will find out is it's not a mere attitude or the things that we do or the things that we don't do. It is a matter of heart. And our heart is far from God. And you're saying, but hey, I'm in church. Good for you. But no, fish, I, I mean, I pray. Good for you. You should pray. But understand that it will not happen apart from your heart being changed. Salvation is not what man does or what man hears. It is about the whole fulfillment of God's grace and mercy and love in your life. So look at Romans chapter 2 with me again. Haley, I promise you, if you'll come this side of it, you can turn it on by pointing it that direction. Sorry about that. Romans chapter 2, verse 12. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. You know why that is so important? Because you know what chapter 11, I mean verse 11 says in chapter 2? God shows no partiality. For all of sin without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. Go with me to Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Are we going to be able to get that, Haley? Matthew 5, 17 through 20. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an idea, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless the righteousness... Listen to this. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I want to read that verse one more time. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And you're like, Fish, why did you read that twice? Because church, you need to be very, very concerned about this verse. Jesus called out the Pharisees and the scribes more than any other group that he called out. Why? Because they were religious. They were religious. And church, can I tell you something? There is a difference in a religion and being a follower. You see, religion is in your head. Following is in your heart. Religion is how you think you should act. 
following, you act because you know what he tells you to do or how to act. Too often we look at Romans chapter 2 and we look at this text and we're like, Man, the law of this and the law of that. I thought, I, thought Jesus came to, I thought Jesus took the place of the law. Church, we can't know that we're messing up unless we know that we're breaking the law. Look with me again in Romans chapter 2, verse 14. For when the Gentiles who do not have the law, by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day, now listen to this, on that day when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of man, secrets of men by Christ Jesus. So what does this text tell us up to this point? For all have sinned. Every last one of us. Not a single one of us in this room is without sin. The other thing is, is this, is that the law was given to us for a purpose and for a reason so that we would know what it means to be lawbreakers. But see, here's what we want to do. And we saw this last week. We want to judge everybody else, but we do not want to judge ourselves. Listen to what Romans 2 verse 16 says. On that day, when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Why should that concern you this morning? Because many of you think that you've faked me out, and many of you think that you've hidden it from God. But church, be very, very careful. You cannot hide it from God. You might hide it from man, but you cannot hide it from God. It says, on that day, when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Guys, i got to be honest with you. When I was reading that this week, I didn't quite get it. It did not quite register with me. But when I was reading it this morning and I was going over my thoughts and I was going prepare, looking back over my notes and as I was making sure I was prepared for this, this sermon this morning, I got to verse 16 and I kid you not, I'm not sure if anybody was in the, in the cafeteria where I was studying. Man, it got all over me. You know why? Because church, I am so guilty and you are so guilty of looking at everybody else's junk and you think because you did your junk in secret, fish, you're good. But it says that day when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. I mean, guess what? Eventually, all of it's going to come out in the open. All of it is going to be revealed before us. All of it's going to be revealed before God. All of it is not going to be in secret anymore. It's not going to be in hiding anymore. It's going to be out in the open. And this text shifts here in verse 17. Why does it shift? Because when we look at Romans chapter 1, and we hear this 
For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppresses the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, verse 21 in chapter 1, did not honor him as God and give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Listen to this, church. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanging the glory of the immortal God for the images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts and into impurities and dishonoring their bodies among themselves. And then there goes this whole list of what they did. And here's what we do. We go, well, I didn't do anything in that list. You're a liar. You go, I've never stolen. You know what Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5? You say you haven't stolen. I can guarantee you, you've stolen. Look at what the scripture says. You say that you've not committed adultery. You looked upon a woman in a lustful way, you've committed adultery. You say you've never murdered. If you have hate in your heart, you've committed murder. Look at verse 17. But if you call yourself a Jew, Romans chapter 2, verse 17, but if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know he will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourself are guided, you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? Look at verse 21. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? Why you preach against stealing, do you steal? You say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You arbor idols, do you, not, do, do, do you rob temples? You boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law, for it is written, the name of the God is blasphemy among the Gentiles because of you. See, church, here's where I'm really, really afraid this morning is that too many of us is the model that people are watching that, that, to, to look at us and say, we're the model that you're supposed to be like. And church, we are as far from God as those that don't even have the law. Because we go, we don't do this sin, 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 so I'm good. That's what the enemy wants us to believe, church. Because as we go back and look at chapter 2, it says, For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are the righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. And remember what we saw back in Matthew chapter 5? Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Why do we have the law in the first place, church? It's so that we will know how foolish and messed up we really are. Why must we preach God's word? Why should, my, why should we preach against these sins? Why should we preach against all sin? Because God wants us to know that sin separates us from him. And if sin separates us from him, we cannot be with him if we are where sin is. But verse 19, if you are sure 
that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, uh, on an inst- or, and an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in law an embodiment of the knowledge of the truth. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? Why you preach against stealing, do you not steal? Do you steal? You who say, you who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who arbor idols, do you not rob the temples? You boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law, for it is written, the name of God is blasphemy among the Gentiles because of you. Church, here's what I want you to say. What I want you to see is this morning that people are watching you, and if you call yourself a believer and you're not acting as if a believer, you are speaking. You're, you're, you're speaking. You're, you're, you're condemning them because you're telling them to live this way because you got it figured out, but you don't even have it figured out because you're not living the way that God has called us to live. But you're like, I don't do the big stuff. It doesn't matter. Sin is sin. And Paul is saying to the church, he's saying to those in Rome, he say, hey, look, I understand that, that y'all know the law, but you can know the law and still not do the law. Does it sound familiar? Listen to what Isaiah 29, 13 says. Isaiah 29, 13. And the Lord said, because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me and their fear of me is a commandment taught by man. The Lord said, because the people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me and, and their fear of me is a commandment taught by man. Church, here's what I want you to see this morning. We need to understand that our fear should not be because man told us that we're breaking a commandment. Our fear should be the fact that we are breaking God's commandment, not man's commandment. Look at what Proverbs 4.23 says. Keep your heart with all vigilant, for from it flows the spring of, springs of life. Go back with me to Romans chapter 2, verse 25. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then, who, then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision and circumcision but break the law. What Paul is saying here is, is we realize that in the Old Testament there might have been this idea passed down. And it was not just an idea. It was actually a following of God's people. But just because you do something physically and just because you do something outwardly does not mean that you're good if your heart is far from God. You see, church, we look at this idea of circumcision and uncircumcision, and I understand that it's not comfortable to talk about. Grow up. It is not mere the act of circumcision that's the big deal. It is the, it is the understanding of why they did it in the first place. It was to prove and show that one was pure and one was clean. And why did they do that? Because they wanted to be clean before God, not just clean before man. 
And have you ever noticed that in the church we put more laws on us and we can't even keep the ones that God's given us? We like to say, well, we did pretty good with the Big Ten. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. How you doing with that one? And don't speak up, because when you speak up, you're condemning yourself. Because every single one of us in this room has other gods in our life. Every single one of us have other gods in our life. We're like, well, I don't covet my neighbor's donkey because he ain't got one, but you covet his side-by-side and his truck and his car. You go, well, I haven't physically committed adultery. Jesus says if you looked upon a woman in a lustful way, you've committed adultery. Your preacher's guilty. How about you? Some of you will get that about lunchtime. You go, I haven't, I haven't committed murder. God's word says, Jesus says, if you have hate in your heart, you've committed murder. Look at verse 28. Or excuse, yeah, verse 28. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So I go back to Isaiah 29, 13, and the Lord said, because this people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me and their fear of me is, com- is, is a commandment taught by men. We're so afraid of what man thinks instead of what God thinks. Look at Matthew 15, 19. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Church, I don't know about you, but too often I'm trying to change things. I'm trying to fix things with me. And it's not me that's the problem. It's my heart that's the problem. It's your heart that's the problem. And too often we think, man, if this person would just come to church or if this person would just do this or if this person would just do that, they'll be good. But church, we got to understand something. I don't care how hard you try to change the outward uh, expression of man or the outward um, attitude or the outward behaviors of man, if their heart doesn't change, they don't change. See, Paul is begging the Romans. He's saying, look, man, I get it. You've lived in a time where you get to do what you want to do because you're from one of the greatest nations in the world and you're in control. But church, can I tell you something? He's saying to the church in Rome, can I tell you something? It's not about what you hear. It's about what you do. That's the reason Luke 6, 46 says this. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of a heart, his mouth speaks. Can I just ask you a quick question this morning? Are you listening to what people around us are saying? I mean, like, for real, are you listening? So much much hatred. So much pain. So much garbage is coming out of their mouths. You know why? Because that's what's written on their hearts. You go, fish, be real careful. You talked about not judging Hey, can I tell you something? When God reveals the stuff in my life, I already know about it. Do you know about yours? 
Because I talk to God about my junk every day. I don't try to hide it from God because I know no matter how hard I try, I'm exhausted, church. I was telling a man, or actually men the other day, I said I was watching this hunting show the other night and a deer on this deer farm literally ran itself to death. And while I'm watching this show, it was like God hit me upside the head with a two by four. And he said, fish, if you're not careful, you're going to run yourself to death. One of those men texted me yesterday. He said, fish, I can't forget what you said the other day. You said that deer that ran himself to death reminded you of yourself. He goes, what are you doing to change so that you don't run yourself to death? I said, well, I took a day off this week and I went hunting. And yesterday I hung out with my wife. And last night I watched football with my boys. You see, church, we can talk about change all we want. But until we actually change, we are just talking puppets who say one thing but do something totally different. Paul is saying to the Romans, he's saying, hey, Jews, I get that you have the law, but if you don't do what the law says, it's as if you don't have it anyway. You say that you will honor me with your mouth, but your hearts are far from me. Listen to what Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 says. The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Listen to Genesis chapter 6, 5 and 7. The Lord, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that the intention and thoughts of his heart was only evilly, evil continually. And the Lord regarded that he had made man, God, the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him into his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out the man whom I have created from the face of the land. And you're saying, fish, what does this have to do with Romans chapter 2? It has everything to do with Romans chapter 2 because we think because we're somebody, we're going to be okay. And church, it doesn't matter who you are when you get to heaven. It doesn't matter who your father was. It doesn't matter what church you went to. It doesn't matter whose Bible study you were a part of. What matters is, was it written on your hearts? And I am fed up with the church leading people to hell because we think we got it figured out. If anything, we're the messed up ones. And we're more dangerous than those who don't realize they're messed up because we know we're messed up and we keep doing it anyway. And listen to what the prophet, what the Lord said to the prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2 as we close this morning, verses 12 and 13. Yet even now declares the Lord... Return to me with all your heart, with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. And listen to this, church. And rend your hearts, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abundantly in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. Yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. So here's where we're at and we're done. Are you tired? I'm asking you a question. 
Are you tired? Do you feel like you're there yet? Because you're running from here to there. You're running from there to there. You're trying to get to a place in church. Can I tell you something? Without the hope, without the power of Jesus Christ, you will never get there. Austin, you know what my problem is, buddy? I'm trying to be everybody else's savior, and I won't let Jesus save me. So I'm going to cry out this morning with what the prophet Joel said, what the Lord said to Joel. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping, with mourning. Church, we need to fast because we are far from God. And if you're not far from God, there's plenty around you that are far from God. You need to fast for them. And we need to weep to God this morning because we are not anywhere close to where God wants us to be. We need to weep for our condition. We need to mourn for where we've gotten to. We need to render, we need to rend your hearts and not your garments. What he's saying is, hey, look, quit bringing your physical self to me and give me your heart. I don't want your junk anymore. I don't want your stuff anymore. I don't want that. It was mine in the first place. I gave it to you on borrow. You need to give me your complete self. Because you're like, man, I'm good with the law. Man, you're crazy. You're not even close. And here's what's crazy. When Jesus came to the world, you know what he said? I'm not saying that I'm, 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 I'm abolishing that. I'm fulfilling it. But here's how I'm going to fulfill it. Love me and love others. And guess what, church? We can't even get that right. We can't even get two commandments right. The greatest, love God with all that we got. And the second, love our neighbor as ourselves. So we want to say, but we're good. Some of you in this room are going, man, I'm new to church. I don't even know the law. Man, you're in better, you're in better condition than most of us. Because something drew you to this place. Something drew you to God. And you know what it was? It was God himself. Why? Because he wanted you to see how jacked up and messed up you were. I've preached too long, so i got to quit. So here's what I want you to hear this morning. And even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Here's what I want you to see this morning, church. He didn't want, he didn't want anything else but you. And you know who's in control of you? You. So quit worrying about everybody else's junk and deal with your junk. Because just like I started this time out this morning talking about me going to a ball game with one of my sons because I don't have much time left with them, I am convinced that how we live church will actually be how the next generation, or how we live in this moment will be what the next generation becomes. And I don't know if you know this or not, but that ought to cause you to weep. That ought to cause you to mourn. That ought to cause you to be very upset because we are far from God. And it is time for us to return to him. And his word is very clear. If you return to me, there will be blessings.
If you return to me, there will be a promise. If you follow me, I promise you, you will get safely to the destination. Maybe not where you wanted to go, but where you needed to go. Father God, I pray this morning, I beg you this morning that I didn't try too hard. I pray that your word preached for itself. I pray this morning that our, our worship would be real. I pray this morning that we would get out of the way of ourselves. God, I pray this morning that we wouldn't find ourselves judging everyone else, but God, we would judge ourselves this morning. God, I pray this morning that you would do, you would be you and we would be us, and God, we would just respond. God, would you do it in me first? God, would you do it in me first? And I pray this in Jesus' name, the one I want to be like when I grow up. And all God's people said, My name is Fish Robinson. I'm the lead pastor here at Community Church Oxford. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Community Church Oxford podcast. We hope that you'll consider joining us again in the future. Until then, God bless.